0: So today I want to wrap up John chapter 1. We're in a series in the Gospel of John. I have no idea how long we're going to be here. Um, I'm enjoying chapter 1 so far. It's been incredible. Um, And the title of today's message is What Do You Want? Look at your neighbor and say, what do you want? Don't say it like like they're bothering you. Say it like you're really going to supply whatever they ask for. What do you want? Today we're going to see how Jesus asked two of John's disciples the same question, and I believe he's asking all of us that very same question today. So let me clarify the question just a little bit by asking it two different ways. Maybe, it's, maybe it helps you to understand the question like this, what did you want when you were born again? What were you after when you were born again? Maybe this way, what have you wanted since you've been born again? What do you want from Jesus? Jesus. Hadn't thought about that, have you? Jesus is asking every one of us in this room this morning, what do you want? And it's a very personal question to you, not to the person next to you, so don't focus on them. (laughs) Well, I know what they need. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus is asking you, without anybody else involved, what do you want? You might want to write this down. In my Bible times, I've come to realize that Jesus never asks shallow questions. Jesus never asks shallow questions. So we, we're in John. We, uh, we kicked off John with week one, talking about um, the first section of John's letter or his book. Uh, his, his book is written in sections, if you can cut it up that way. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 18 is what's known as the prologue. It's the story to set up the rest of the book. And so I preached week one on just the prologue, the first 18 verses of of John. And I'm going to tell you, it is absolutely critical to understand the first 18 verses of John to to fully grasp and and, and be able to consume and even process the rest of John. Like if you don't have John 1 to 18, you're going to get some goods. But like if you got John 1 to 18... Like, you really going to get the goods. Because what John did is John put Jesus in his rightful place in 18 verses. He put Jesus at the beginning of creation. He was there before anything was created. And John just said to the religious folks around him and anybody who would read his book today, that Jesus is supreme over all creation. If you don't get that, you don't have much. Okay. So there's the prologue, then it gets into Jesus' public ministry for about 10 or 12 chapters, then it gets into Jesus' private ministry for several chapters, then two chapters on the cross and the resurrection, and then chapter 21 is the epilogue where John puts a bow on the whole book, and it's incredible. So that's the way we're going to kind of travel through this book, and it's going to take us some time, so I encourage you to take notes, save your notes, go back and listen to something if you miss it. You ready? Ready? We're gonna wrap up chapter one. John starts with describing Jesus as supreme over all creation. There from the beginning, God and he are one. John put Jesus and God together in a beautiful way. Uh, then John describes John, the other John. There's two Johns in chapter one and two. Well, there's two Johns. There's there's more than that, but in this chapter one, there's two. John the apostle, the gospel writer, and then John the baptizer. Okay? So John, the, the gospel writer, tells us about John the baptizer. Funny story, last Sunday after we were finished baptizing, we realized it was about 15 people. John Johnson comes up to me and goes, you know, I might need to baptize more often. Because he, he did most of the dunking." and he's you know, John the Baptist? And I was like, yeah, swallow your pride, bro. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, repent. <laughs> it's like it wasn't because of you, boo-boo. <laughs> and so today I want us to see how Jesus deals with those who would follow him. And, and I want us to begin to look at his public ministry. Watch this. Jesus has a plan for every single person that would begin to follow him. Jesus is fully aware of who is following him and who is not. So don't think you're going to sneak around and get away with something. Jesus knows who's following him and who's not. And he knows when it's real and when it's not. Come on, somebody. So Jesus deals with two of John's disciples today, and he he calls a few more disciples. And so we're going to look at that. Go with me to John chapter 1. I want to do a little bit of reading for you or to you in in verse 35 to 51. Uh, Follow along with me. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. This is John the baptizer. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. I would underline those three words, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? <laughs> it makes me giggle still. Like, really, that's your response? Like Jesus says, turns around, like, what do you want? where uh, you stay? <laughs> that's how we would have said it in Franklin. Where you stay? Where your house at? Can I come see your house? That's literally what they said. Anyway, right, sorry, geeking out. <laughs> where are you staying? Jesus responds: come and see. He said, "As it it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and followed Jesus. Let me break in for a second. John the gospel writer is believed to be the other disciple of John the baptizer. There's enough historical proof and even literature proof that says that John the apostle or the gospel writer was actually... The other guy, he just doesn't name himself. Caught that? Okay. So heard heard what John said and followed Jesus. Verse 41, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. Did I skip anything? Okay. We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John. But you will be called Cephas or Kepha which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. It was a fishing village. They were all from the same fishing village. It would be kind of like Gadon, or even further down, one of those little villages. Um, <laughs> Philip, <laughs> I'm just trying to make it practical. Philip went, went to look for Nathanael. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip asked. Or Philip replied. And as they approached Jesus, I love the way Jesus deals with people. Now here is a, Jesus says this, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. I want to think Jesus was being a little bit facetious. I'm just saying. I just, but he could have been really serious. I don't know. But anyway, verse 48. How how do you know about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Boom, just like that. He went in. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. Oh my God, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah. Just saying, I don't know how you read your Bible, but it seems pretty interesting to me. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will, see, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going, going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for scripture. Thank you that it is God-breathed. Thank you for breathing these words onto paper. And God, thank you that these words are going to pierce even the hardest hearts today. Thank you that these words are gonna give us life today. I thank you for your word. I don't take it for granted. It's valuable, so, so valuable. Pour into us everything that we need today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, John is John the baptizer, week two. I talked about what's your point, what's your life pointed to. I would go back and listen to that if you weren't here. John, once again, is pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God. And in doing so, his disciples get interested in Jesus and they begin to follow him. Uh, Jesus, Jesus notices them and turns around, and asks the question, What do you want? Their answer is, Where are you staying? Such a simple question. I, I wonder if they were nervous when Jesus turned around. I wonder if they were like, Uh oh, he saw us. Uh, what do you want? Uh, where do you stay? I don't know. And then Jesus' response is absolutely golden to me. He says, we'll come and see. And that's a characteristic of Jesus I hope you walk away with today. So Jesus is still asking what you want. What do you want today? Along with giving the invitation to come and see. So watch this. Look at me real carefully. Jesus is still asking the question, it's still on the table today. What do you want? That is still on the table today. Along with it on the table is an invitation to come and see. Jesus is still in a come and see mood. He still is a what do you want, I'm going to answer it kind of mood. It's still on the table. Listen to me clearly. It's still on the table He's still asking you and inviting you today. (sighs) All right. So I want to tackle the question. I want to tackle Jesus' invitation, and then I want to get into a few other things, and then we're going to wrap the message up, okay? Sounds good? All right, thank you. All right, number one, what do you want? (laughs) What do you want? In verse 38, Jesus looked around, and he saw them following, and he says, what do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? I personally hate it when somebody asks me a question I'm not ready for because I have this fear of giving dumb answers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like I, I just, I really hate to say something stupid, but unfortunately, I quite often say something stupid. Open mouth, insert foot. The Bible is, is 100% correct. If, if you're just quiet, <laughs> you seem wise. <laughs> Like like you're killing yourself when you open your mouth. Anyway, it's just me. But I feel like these guys were not ready to answer the question from Jesus that day. It seems to me from the scriptures and the way I interpret them that they were curious about Jesus. They had heard what John said about Jesus. Here's the Lamb of God. Wow. Let's, Let's go see Let's let's put our eye on him. Let's let's check him out. Let's see if he's legit. Let's see if what John said is true about Jesus. I, I personally believe they were following Jesus more out of curiosity initially until Jesus turned and asked the question, what do you want? I wonder how many of us today have been following Jesus and have been dodging this question. I wonder how many of us today have been following Jesus with some space and some distance, hoping that he doesn't recognize us and draw us in. I wonder how many of us are living in the land of curiosity, afraid to step into the land of experience. (laughs) And if you are following Jesus simply because you're curious, I'm going to encourage you to keep following him. Keep following him. Keep following, keep going after him. Slip up and get a little close. No. (laughs) But it's such a simple question. My personal story is, is I was saved at 12. At, a, at, a, at the ABC camp in Richard and, and, and one of the guys who was leading camp that year was, was talking about Jesus as a savior and how he, he dealt with my sin and his blood washes away my sin and if my sin wasn't washed away I would spend eternity in hell and at 12 years old I was like, uh-oh, this is real? And I had an, I had some emotions. I had some feelings. I had some knowledge that was getting dropped on me that Jesus was going to save my life if I would just surrender mine to his. And so I walked an aisle. We didn't raise hands in those days. We walked aisles. Like you got out in front of your buddies and that girl you was trying to impress and you walked down the aisle. And you're like, oh, boy, he's going to be a holy roller anyway. And so... I did that at 12, and I I believe I was born again, and I had an experience with Jesus that, that historically looking over my life, that was a turning point for my life at 12. Since 12, things have been increasingly changing in my life. I went from death into life at 12, but a lot of things have happened since 12. Jesus has been asking me the question constantly, what do you want, Jamie? Sometimes he asks me this question, what can I do for you? What do you need me to do today? And if I'll sit with him and answer that question, he'll meet me right there and something in my life will get transformed. That's my own experience. It's not a legalistic book of laws that I have to consume and understand before I can have a relationship. It's a come get a relationship and the law will be written on your heart. So I was saved, and I I only knew Jesus as Savior. If I'm being honest, like, I just knew he was Savior. He's my Savior. That's how I, I knew Jesus. He's my Savior. And I didn't know him yet as Lord, which is interesting because the Lord woke me up Wednesday night or Thursday night and said, you need to go read this verse. And I didn't know what it was for until last night. Go with me to Romans chapter 10 verse nine and 10. it's not in you, it's not going to be on the screen. this is an, an insert Sorry, Lisa did it last minute. it won't bother nobody. You should be bringing your Bible anyway or quickly download the Bible app whatever you want to do. Romans 10, nine and 10 it's, it's the famous salvation verse. It's part of the Roman road to salvation Romans 10 nine and 10' it's, it's another uh, uh, memory verse of mine and, it, and the verse has radically changed my life I want you to I want, to I want to share something with you that the Lord showed me the other night about this verse and then I'm going to get right back into the, I think this ties together uh, maybe um, Romans 10 9 and 10 from the NLT it says this if you it's, it, listen to it carefully if you if you if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Now I've known it that way. Lord wakes me up the other night and says, go to your room, read, read Romans 10. I got something for you. I said, okay. <laughs> I was already in bed. But I know if I don't listen to him, I don't sleep. So in order to go to sleep, I listen to him. Y'all caught that? That's like a major principle right there. Just just telling you. So this is what he showed me. He he showed me that verse 9 is the Lord's responsibility and verse 10 is my responsibility. And he read it to me a little bit different. Look at what is look at, you could simplify the sentences and look at it this way. Verse nine would say this, Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Could you not say that? Would that not be a simplified sentence? That Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. That's God's responsibility. Verse 10, you could simplify it and it would say this, believe in your heart and openly declare your faith. What's God's responsibility? To make Jesus Lord and to raise Jesus from the grave. What's my responsibility? To believe in my heart and to openly declare. <laughs> Need a mar- marinating moment? Just 30 seconds in the marinade. Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the grave. Believe in your heart. Here it is. Openly declare. Some translations say, confess with your mouth. It's time to stop being a closed mouth Christian. It's time to start declaring what Jesus has done. It's time to start declaring that Jesus is Lord. So whether we realize it or not, Jesus has always and will always be Lord. Amen? So I started following Jesus. And from time to time, he would ask me the questions, what do you want? What can I do for you? And when I would answer, Jesus would always meet me right where I was. I want you to catch this real quick. Jesus is not afraid to meet you where you are. He is absolutely not afraid to meet you where. In your ugliest, snottiest, crying your eyes out moment, in your darkest hour, Jesus has the authority and the desire to meet you right where you are. He will meet you happy, he will meet you sad. He will meet you broke, he will meet you rich. He will meet you depressed, he will meet you full of joy. He will meet you anxious, he will meet you at peace. Jesus has no issues meeting people where they are. Did you hear that this morning? He has no issue meeting you where you are. He has no issue walking into your life, even in your darkest area of sin. Jesus has met me in my darkest place ever. If he wouldn't have come and met me there, I may still be there today. He loved me enough to step into my filth and meet me right there and bring me out. Jesus is not afraid to meet you where you are. So he's asking the question to these two guys that are following him. He says, what do you want? And they give this silly response, where are you staying? Jesus never says nothing or anything about their response. He doesn't correct their response. He doesn't take, okay, time out. You could have asked a better question. He doesn't do that. What does he say? Come see. Can you see the heart of Jesus in that statement? Come see. It's an invitation to come and see. Just come see. He's on the fly. Jesus is walking, notices two guys following him. He looks around, he goes, Hey, what you want? Where are you staying? That was a dumb question. Uh, come see. And they follow him to his house at four o'clock in the afternoon, which is important. Jesus has this way of asking strange questions sometimes, doesn't he? Let me give you another example. We're going to get into plenty of his questions along this, this journey through the, the gospel of John. But I want to bring you to one story about blind Bart. How many of you heard the story of blind Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus he's blind. Okay, when the Bible says you're blind, you're blind. Like he wasn't vision impaired. This brother was blind and he was hanging out with all the ill, sick people where they would hang out and try to get alms and get some some welfare and all this other stuff. He's hanging out with those people. Jesus comes walking by. Somebody says, the Messiah's coming. Bart says, hey, help me up. Where's he at? I need to find him. And he makes his way to Jesus. So Jesus is standing in a spot, and blind Bart is making his way to Jesus. Now, when a blind person walks up to you, you know they're blind, right? Right? Because they'll be walking towards you looking that way. This was before the big white sticks. Come on, somebody. Like, he's not going to tap you on the shins. I'm not picking on blind people. I'm just, I'm just trying to get you to understand something real quick. That, that he, he was coming to Jesus blind. Everybody and their mama knew Bart was blind. Bart walks up to Jesus, and Jesus asks one of the craziest questions ever. What do you want me to do for you? It's like, duh, the brother's blind. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? Jesus is non-assuming. Why would Jesus ask a blind man, what does he want? Jesus never asks shallow questions. What do you want? His response, I want to see. (laughs) Can I see? Your faith has made you whole. Sometimes I believe Jesus asks us questions for us to discover what's inside of us. Sometimes Jesus asks us questions for us to begin to discover what's inside of us. Because when you're asked a question and you prepare yourself to answer, if you have time to prepare, what comes out of you reveals what was in you. Questions make you evaluate yourself. They make you evaluate your motives. They make you evaluate your desires and your needs. They make you think about your own life in a way that you haven't been thinking about it before. (sighs) Jesus was trying to discover what they really wanted. He's totally fine with you following him. Follow him. Follow him, follow him, follow him. But when he asks the question what you want, just give him an answer. And don't worry about if it's the right answer or not. Just give an answer because he will meet you right there with that answer. I'm going to show it to you. You see, if Bart came to Jesus to see, he must have first believed that Jesus could have healed him. If John and Andrew started to follow Jesus, they must have believed something about Jesus enough to follow him. So what did they really say when they asked the question, where do you live? What were they really asking? What did Jesus really interpret from that? I believe Jesus understood that to mean, I want to go further with you. I believe what Jesus heard was, I want to come hang out with you. Where are you staying? Like, I want to come to your place. And when somebody wants to come to your house, they usually want to hang out with you for some reason. Amen? Or are they trying to get something from you? You know, that's them kin folks. You got to watch them. But. Yeah. <sighs> I think Jesus saw their desire was to get close to him, even though their answer was awkward. There's this tricky thing about Jesus you really got to understand. He knows your heart. Even if you don't know your heart. (laughs) So Jesus, I believe, understood that they wanted to get personal with him, that they wanted to get closer to him. And his his response to their question was, Come on. Come on, come see. Which leads us to number two. Come and see. Now it's interesting because Jesus says, Come and see. It's four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. Now Jesus didn't have a house. He didn't have his own house. Jesus stayed in the wilderness. He stayed in the woods. Stayed at other people's houses. If you invited Jesus to stay at your house, you were inviting God knows who to come along with him. Because he had a come and see attitude and it didn't matter if it was your house or somebody else's house. Jesus Jesus will invite folk to your house that you might not want at your house. I'm just telling you. Invite Jesus in. You might, you might get... Anyway. You might get to hang out with some people you don't really want to hang out with. So, uh, hmm. Jesus' response says so much about him. I see Jesus in this moment being very nonchalant in his approach to us. I don't see Jesus as standoffish. I've never thought of Jesus as being standoffish. I've never thought of Jesus as being untouchable. One of the things I deeply love about Jesus is that he's touchable. Jesus is personal. Jesus is not some God sitting up on a throne that I cannot have relations with, that I can't talk to, that he can't talk to me. He's, he's not untouchable. Even on the throne of heaven at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is still touchable. It's one of the things I love about him the most is that he's, he's not standoffish. Jesus has never, ever, ever rejected me. And we all know rejection hurts. He wasn't private except for his times with his father. Jesus had an open-door policy for those who would follow him, and he was always inviting. They get there at 4 in the afternoon, and the Bible says they spent the rest of the day with him. So I did a little bit of time math, and they got there at 4. It doesn't say what season of the year it is, so I don't know if it's in, in... Daylight savings time. or not. So, so I'm estimating anywhere from, from three to six hours they spent with Jesus. Because it says that they were with him at four o'clock. They went to his place and they stayed there the rest of the day. So within a matter of three to six hours, Jesus does something in these guys that would forever, listen to me clearly, forever change their life in three to six hours. Write this down. Big encounters can come in short moments with Jesus. Don't ever underestimate a short encounter. Because you see, the enemy's slick. He'll convince you that you got to be with Jesus six hours a day in the word, praying in tongues for three of those hours, writing down scripture for another three hours only to experience him. Now, that's great. If you can spend six hours a day in word and prayer, buddy, go for it. (laughs) Like, get you some. (laughs) But listen to me. Don't ever underestimate five minutes in Jesus' presence. Don't ever underestimate a second in Jesus' presence. Don't ever underestimate a place that Jesus can meet you. He's met me on the road on 190 with this jacked up traffic. He met me there. He met me on an interstate going through Jennings and told me to back up from the car in front of me because the, something was about to happen and the tailgate on the trailer flew off and if I'd have been 10 foot closer, it'd come through the windshield and killed me and my wife. Don't ever underestimate where and when and how long you can get an encounter from Jesus. You want to go four hours, bro, go four hours. <laughs> like get you some, but don't underestimate five minutes. But there's a big difference here. Jesus said, come and see. They had a choice to make. Are we going to go and see? Or are we just going to follow from behind? Act like, "Nah, we're good. We're good. I'll just, I was, what do you want? I just, I, nothing, man. I'm just going to the grocery store. Like, why are you sweating me, Jesus? They could have turned down the invitation. Right? Just like we can turn down the invitation. How many invitations have you been turning down? Oh, Pastor, you hard questions. Not to condemn you. Open your eyes. I've been turning Jesus down. Who's missing out, Jesus or me? You want to know the answer? Both of us. Because he loves and desires to spend time with me. And when I tell him, no, he feels that. And I miss out because I don't get to have an experience with him. After only a few hours, something shifts in these guys so hard that their whole life changed. Listen to this. Their whole life changed. They quit their job. They left their convenience. They dropped their plans. They gave up their dreams. They gave up their ambitions. They gave up their life goals. They gave up what other people expected of them. They dropped everything, and they followed Jesus from three to six hours of sitting with Jesus. You see, they met Jesus, and they had head knowledge. They knew what John said about Jesus. They had intellectual knowledge of Jesus. They knew who he was. They were able to recognize him. John pointed him out as the Lamb of God. That's how John always described Jesus, by the way. Here's the Lamb of God. There's the Lamb of God. So they knew about Jesus intellectually, and that's great, but that's only going to get you so far because it's got to travel from your head down to your heart. It's got to get into your heart. And you might be asking the question this morning, which I believe most of you are. Well, Pastor, how does it go from my head to my heart? Thank you for asking a great question. I got a verse for that. Go with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Another verse that wrecked my life in a good way. This this one this one really opened up a lot of things for me because up until about 10 years ago I knew Jesus intellectually, but I had very few experience with experiences with him. And, and, and I was. I was kind of head heavy, heart light. Does that make sense? I had a lot of head knowledge, but not a lot of heart knowledge. This verse totally changed everything for me. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. Watch this. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding. Stop right there for just a second. When you were born again, you went from spiritual death into spiritual life. You were spiritually dead, which means you couldn't understand God. Catch that? So you had no understanding. But when you were born again, Jesus gave you the ability to understand what you didn't understand before. Before you were born again, you were tagged an enemy of God. Once you were born again, you became a friend of God. Do you see the, the transference that happens? Okay. And we know that the son of God, which is Jesus, has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. That word know in the Greek, I looked it it up. It's called studying. I got a book that helps me to understand. Now we have phones. I didn't have a phone back then. They worked too slow. I had a book, and it was, it was, it was um, what's that thing called? Concordance. Yes, thank you for all my concordance people. That word no means this, watch this. That word no, it doesn't mean to intellectually know, it means to experientially know Jesus. Ha, because some of you know Jesus here, and that's good. I ain't kicking you to the curb. Get you some here. Get all you want to here, but just you need to set yourself up for it to get here. How does it get from here to here? You got to go and see when he says to come and see. You can't get it here if you keep saying no. Ah, you can't. It will never get from here to here if you keep disobeying. If you keep being isolated, if you continue to be independent, it will never get from here to here. Because you will be missing the experience with Jesus. That's what happened with Andrew and John. They started following Jesus because they were curious. Oh, man, let's see where he's going. Bro, where do you think he's going? I don't know, bro, but let's, let's find out so we can spy on him. When I first met Pastor Bubba, now he's not Jesus, okay? Pastor Bubba's not, he would tell you that himself if he's here. When I first met Pastor Bubba, I had glasses this big that were magnifying glasses. I was looking for something to be wrong with this brother. I was suspicious. I had the gift of suspicion. (laughs) Tried to prove him wrong. Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? They say, where are you staying? Come and see. Chance to obey or disobey. You know, that's a tricky land, right? They didn't hear me. That's a tricky land. That moment of obey or disobey, that'll make a break you right there. That's a tricky spot. Because in a moment, you get to go, ah. I'm at the place now where I go, he tells me to do something, and I'm tempted to pull out my calendar. And I feel him mean mugging me. <laughs> you better not pull that calendar out on me, boy. <laughs> I'm just picking. That land is a tricky spot. Many Christians have <laughs> fallen on that hill. Oh, man. Are you gonna do what I say or are you not? Mm. Are you gonna come and see or not? Because they went to Jesus' house at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and they sat with him for 3 to 6 hours, I don't know what they knew about him got from their head to their heart what happened? The Bible doesn't tell us what happened in that time wish it did, it would be really cool to understand, right? Be really cool to read what Jesus talked about what he told them because I'd be like, man, I could, I could relate or I could not relate. And, but the Bible doesn't tell us what happened at Jesus' house. But the fruit of what happened at Jesus' house, we can know. And the fruit was that whatever they experienced at Jesus' house changed their life forever. The greatest evidence of being born again is a changed life. Not changed words. Religious speech (laughs) will get you talked about. Come on, somebody. (laughs) In the wrong church. Anyway. um, What happened? What happened in this moment with Jesus? Well, we do know it went from head to heart. How it got there, we don't know. But I can tell you what they probably learned in that moment. Because it's the same thing you and I will learn if we'll go spend time with one another. You ever meet somebody new and want to be friends with them? And the only way to become friends with them, well, it's still true. The only way to become friends with them is to meet with them in person. You're not real friends on social media. Y'all heard? (laughs) You got to go spend time. What do you discover when you spend time with somebody new? You discover a lot. If you go to the house, you may discover things you don't want to discover. Cause some people invite you to the house and it ain't clean. I ain't lying. I got invited to go pray for somebody the other day that was dying, way out in the country. I went out. I went to, out to their house and it was a riggedy old house and it was falling apart. And I walk in and cigarette smoke all over the place and people sitting on the sofa on social media and and I'm walking in like to to. Speak life over their dad. I'm like, I'm coming in here to speak life over this guy. Like, I'm praying for God to heal him. In the moment that they spent with Jesus, they discovered his attitude. They discovered his gentleness or the lack thereof. They discovered some mercy or the lack thereof. They discovered his love by how he asked questions and how he engaged with them. That moment with Jesus where Jesus became real personal to them is when they discovered how much he actually loves me. Because it's in those moments when you sit with Jesus intimately that you have this encounter where love comes flowing across the table and it fills your heart up. And it breaks the lie that nobody loves you. And when you see, you get good at sitting with Jesus and you get good at staying filled with his love and having that moment with him, you don't need nobody else to affirm you or confirm you. You don't need nobody else to love you. You don't need anything from the world to try to satisfy you. You're already satisfied. When you get satisfied, you go from being dependent on people to being able to lead the people you needed. It changed something. Andrew, when they were done, Andrew went straight to his brother. <laughs> Bro, I found Jesus. Bro, seriously, I found Jesus. I double-dog dare you to go home and then find somebody and tell them you found Jesus. You see, Jesus desires to spend time with us. Because he knows what comes with one moment with him. And he knows what that can do to us. Amen. So John said that Jesus gave us the right to understand. God, the one true, not God, and to know him. The rest of that verse, verse 20, says this, and now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. What do you want? Come and see. Let me give you four ways of coming to Jesus found in in John chapter one. Four ways of coming to Jesus. You ready? Number one, Andrew and John came because came to Jesus because of the preaching of John the Baptizer. So, preaching is good. And let me rephrase that good preaching is good. <laughs> they got some people preaching some jacked up stuff. Andrew and John came at the preaching of John the Baptizer. The whole thing happens, they're forever changed. It was a kind of experience that would cause them to quit their careers and follow Jesus full time. You might want to write this down. The boldness and the courage you are lacking is found when you come and see. You'll quit making excuses when you get better at coming and seeing. Number two, Peter came to Jesus because of the witness of his brother. Peter was a blessed man. His brother loved him enough to tell him about Jesus. Because you see, when you have an experience like this with Jesus, you got to go tell somebody. You can't keep it for yourself. It's meant to come out of you, not remain in you. The Andrew loved Peter enough, or Simon enough, to go and tell him about Jesus and then, so Peter comes he's, he, he comes and he goes okay I'll go meet Jesus and he meets you and he has an encounter with Jesus which is even shorter than his brother's encounter with Jesus that caused him to have the same response that his brother did he didn't get three to six hours he got a couple minutes with Jesus and Jesus revolutionized his life yeah. Peter walks up Simon walks up and Jesus goes you about to get a name change bro your new name is rock <sighs> I think he misunderstood it for a little while. So Peter has this unique experience with Jesus the first time, and he's forever changed. Write this down. Our church would double in size if every one of you would tell your loved ones about Jesus. Amen, Pastor Jamie. Amen. Amen. Yeah. If everybody... Yeah, preach. Preach, preacher. If we would be like Andrew. Oh, Lord, help us to be like Andrew. Help us to love people enough to tell them about you. I refuse to be an entertainment center. I refuse to save people to entertainment. If this is the pace that we grow at, this is the pace that we grow at. But I'm telling you right now, if you'll get better at coming and seeing and sitting with Jesus, your mouth will open the right way and you'll start inviting people to come to Jesus. Watch this, let me clarify this for a minute. Invite, we always invite people to Jesus first. Because let me bust your bubble, our Savior's church is not Jesus. It didn't hang on a cross. We got a cross, but it didn't hang on a cross. It never shed no blood for you, but Jesus did. We always invite people to Jesus first. Now, for some of you that are new and you don't know how to invite people to Jesus, or you're not comfortable inviting people to Jesus, then I would say, invite them to church. I would even step out on the limb and say, invite them to our church. Because we ain't selling nothing else but Jesus. Jesus. I can, I can be confident in that. I know where my heart is with Jesus. I've come and seen long enough that I'm confident that, hey, we're, we're pushing Jesus around this place. Even in the children's church, we're pushing Jesus. Come on, somebody. Ain't no lollipops and, and, and fruit drinks. It's <laughs> Jesus. Come on. We always invite people to Jesus first. I'm longing for the day when you're gonna open your mouth and start getting folks saved at your places, and then they're gonna tag along with you to your church? Already saved? Let me clarify one more thing. It's not my job to reach the lost in this city, not as a pastor. As a Christian, it is. I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor. My job is to equip you and you and you and you and you to go and reach the lost. And then to make disciples. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good on Sunday. (laughs) It doesn't play well on Monday, though. Because I guarantee you the minute you decide to start telling people about Jesus, hell's going to throw everything it's got at you. And if you ain't ready, you're going to fall down, quit, cry, give up, complain, murmur. Swear you're dying. Peter came to Jesus because his brother told him about Jesus. Number three, Philip came to Jesus. This one's really cool. As a direct call of Jesus. Which tells me that folks can get saved outside the church. Folks can even get saved without you. Jesus still meeting people every day. (laughs) Philip has an encounter with Jesus personally, and Jesus calls him out, and he says, come follow me. There's another invitation. Come follow me. Wow. Number four, Nathaniel came to Jesus. This is a long one. Nathaniel came to Jesus at the invitation of Philip. And he overcame personal prejudice by a personal encounter with Jesus. Let's unpack Nathaniel for just a minute. Philip has a straight-up encounter with Jesus, him and Jesus one-on-one. He decides to follow Jesus. He goes and finds his buddy Nathaniel. You see the reciprocating pattern here? He found his buddy. Who did he find? The person he loved the most. The person he cared about the most. There has to be a refusal inside of you to let the people you love the most burn in hell. If you're not telling them about Jesus, then you must not believe in hell and you must not believe in heaven. (coughs) Philip loved Nathanael enough to tell Nathanael about Jesus. Nathanael had a prejudice. Nazareth? Anything good come out of Nazareth? You can replace that with a lot of things. A black man, can anything good come out of a black man? Mamu, can anything good come out of Mamu? Whatever his prejudice was, he had a prejudice and he didn't want to believe that Jesus could have come from that place. So he had a set up wall or set up understanding that Jesus could either be this or be that. But if he didn't fit into my box or within the the realms of my prejudices, then I don't know if I can accept him. Let me show you what Philip did real quick because this was genius. Philip was absolutely genius when when he he did this. i got to open my Bible again. Watch this. Verse 46. Nazareth exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself. He used Jesus' words. Can you believe that? He stole that from Jesus. Hashtag come and see. As they approached, uh-oh, he went. Now watch this. I'm going I'm to break the lie of the devil right now. Some of you believe that you got to convince people about Jesus. And you got to have a theological basis to lead people to Jesus. And you got to be able to defend the Bible and all these other intricate things to bring people to Jesus. He never argued with his buddy. He never said nothing about his prejudice. Come and see. I would say, come get you some. You don't believe me? Come see for yourself. He didn't argue with him. The Bible says not to argue with fools. (laughs) I'm going to leave that alone. (laughs) 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 Me, oh my, pass me on by. As they approached, Jesus said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. What did Jesus just tell him? I've had my eye on you for a while. What happened to Nathaniel? His prejudices had to leave the building because he had an experience with Jesus. You getting this? But watch this. He came to Jesus with his prejudices. He came suspicious. Nazareth, are you tripping? Nazareth? Gives me the heebie-jeebies. Nazareth? Come see, bro. All right, I'll go see. He walked in with his prejudices, but he didn't walk out with them. And Jesus says something to him that I think is phenomenal. I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And Nathanael says this, teacher, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And then Jesus asked this question. You believe that just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Jesus knows how to get our attention. Stop thinking that he's going to have to flip a mountain upside down to get your attention. Stop thinking that it has to be this major event for you to come to Jesus. You want to know how small it is? It's as small as a decision. Just like some of you are getting ready to decide what you're going to eat for supper. I mean for lunch. We're not going to have the dinner-lunch debate. We're just not going to do that. So write this down. The prejudices and barriers that are keeping you from accepting Jesus are not as big a deal as you might think they are. The prejudices and barriers that are keeping you from accepting Jesus are not as big a deal as you might think they are. He thought it was so important where Jesus came from until he met Jesus and he realized it don't matter where he came from. Then number three, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. Why should we answer the questions Jesus asks and accept the invitations that he offers? Why should we do that? What is there to gain? Let me give you ten things that I believe we gain from that. I'm going to run through them. Don't get nervous. Number one, number one, answering the question can get you moving. Some of you are stuck spiritually. And I'm not saying that to condemn you or to accuse you. The enemy's job is to do that. I'm saying that to you to, for you to recognize that you are spiritually stuck. How do you know if you're spiritually stuck? You, number one, you're dealing with the same problems you're always dealing with. Number two, you're not seeing anything change around you. Because when you're stuck in the mud, you get the same scenery over and over and over again. Catching that? So by answering the question that Jesus asked me, it can get me moving, no matter what my answer is. Number two, answering the question reengages the conversation with Jesus. I don't know if you're like me, but I've got friends, and I've got a few friends that I'm really, really close to. I don't have many best friends, but I do have some. There are some people that have tolerated me over the years, <laughs> and, and, and they're my besties, and I sometimes am good at talking to people and staying connected with folks, but then there's this awkward moment where I'm not connected, whether whatever reason it is, I'm not connected. I feel this, this awkward resistance to go back and connect with them again. Like I feel like, well, you know, I didn't answer the last time they called or I didn't respond to that text message. I forgot. Maybe they're mad at me and I don't want to stir nothing up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like I'm a little nervous to go in. Some of you like, no, I just call him anyway. <laughs> I'm just telling you where I'm at. But answering the questions re-engages the conversation with Jesus. Number three, answering the question communicates that I'm still interested in you, Jesus. I'm still interested. Number four, accepting his invitation is pleasing to him. You ever get tired of inviting people over and they don't want to come? How's that feel? Answering the invitation pleases Jesus. Accepting the invitation is an act of faith. These guys only knew about Jesus in their head. They didn't know where he had. He could have brought them to the hood. They had a hood back then. It's an act of faith. Because you don't know where you're going. And some of us, come on, let's just be honest, some of us don't like to go nowhere as if we don't know where we're going. Hey, baby, you want to go ride in the car? Where are we going? I don't know. We're going to go ride through the country. No, nah, which way are we going? Well, I was thinking towards my moon. No, nah, I'm good. It's an act of faith. Number six Accepting the invitation opens me up to an experience that disobedience would never give me. It opens me up to an experience that disobedience would never give me. Number seven, it gives me the chance to see how he treats me. How much he loves me. Number eight, it's an opportunity to get personal with him. And watch this. You're not getting personal with somebody else. You're not even getting personal with a man-made creation. You're getting personal with the king of all creation, Jesus Christ himself. Remember, where is he sitting? On a throne. Not in the lazy boy. That would be a step down. He's on a throne. You're messing with a king. You hear me? You're messing with a king. You've been invited into a relationship with a king. Number nine, my soul will be satisfied. I'm telling you right now, you can't sit with Jesus and not walk away with your soul satisfied to some degree. If you've had a real encounter with Jesus, something in your soul gets satisfied. And you'll no longer look anywhere else for satisfaction. Number 10. Am I going too fast? Number 10, it is the environment best suited for the growth of confidence, boldness, humility, strength, faith, and understanding. It's the best environment for all of those things to grow. So, Jesus is asking the question today what do you want? What do you want, Leeson? What do you want, John? What do you want, Alicia? What do you want, Ben? Casey, what do you want? Dean, what do you want? What do you want? That's what he's asking. What do you want? He's not asking it like you're bothering him. He's asking it because he loves you. And he knows that you're missing something. And he knows that your deep desire is that you're longing for something that you can't even probably articulate. What do you want? What do you want from Jesus? invitation is still on the table to come and see in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 it says it's one of Jesus' last words in the Bible he says behold I stand at the door and knock who's doing the knocking who's responsible to open the door Paul if you'll open that door he'll come in with you and dine with you and you with him some of you are worried about what's behind the door some of you are worried that Jesus might see what you think you're hiding behind the door can I tell you he already knows what's behind the door he sees that pile of clothes in the corner he sees the dust on the ceiling fan. Come on. He sees them crumbs from the Popeye's pizza you've been eating. I mean, the Popeye's chicken you've been eating. They're like, wait, Popeye's makes pizza? Lord, help us if they ever did. He sees that full trash can. He sees those wet napkins from when you were crying. He sees your sin. He already sees all of that, but he's still knocking at the. He still wants to come in It's saying to us, I want to come in. I want to come in. I want to. Don't clean the house. Just let me come in. Don't clean it up. Just, just open. It's more important you open the door than you clean the house. Just open the door. I'll help you clean the house. Bow your heads with me this morning. I want to set up a moment real quick for you to hear from God because I believe he speaks to every one of us so if I were you if I was sitting in your shoes right now I would grab a piece of paper and a pen and I would answer that question that you're about to personally hear Jesus ask you and then you'll hear a response from him also praying and then you have a song. Yeah, I'll start praying and then they can play that song and you can um, sit there in a type of meditation and hear hear what Jesus is saying. This is the perfect environment for him. That last song, I felt heaven come into the building. And oh, by the way, some of you were healed in that so grateful for your presence in this place. You are so good at being with your people. You're perfect in all of your ways. You're gentle and kind at heart. You're gracious, not coming in to scare us. You love us and you care about our response. Lord, you've noticed that some of us have been following you. And I believe you're asking that question to all of us today. What do you want? What can I do for you? So, Jesus, your word says,